Welcome to the House of Horrors, episode six. Our guest tonight is Clint Carney. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Great. So we'll go ahead and uh, I'll go ahead and ask you. We'll wait till some people come in, but uh, I got some questions to ask you if that's all right. And then for we'll sure, go yeah. to uh, Miss Boomstick in the chat when anyone has uh, some questions for you. Great. Uh, well, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. How's your weekend uh, going so far? I was good. I was off today, so <laughs> got my Fridays and Saturdays off now, which was supposed to start a while ago. So nice. Uh, how about you? Uh, you know, it's uh, working seven days a week for me. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> What's that uh, cut out behind you? Oh, that's uh, it's an oil painting by uh, the artist Christopher Ulrich. It's uh, it is a uh, turtle Jesus. Oh, <laughs> turtle Jesus. <laughs> well, where's the April O'Neil Mary? <laughs> Interesting. I never thought I would see that. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he, the artist is a buddy of mine, but he's he's a very talented guy. And I, yeah, I see that. I thought it was a cutout. I didn't realize it was an oil painting. That's yeah, really good. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty huge one, too. As you can see. Yeah, it looks like. <laughs> uh, well, it looks like we got a couple people just came in. Welcome. Let us know who's here in the chat. Here with Clint. We'll be asking him some questions here. And if you have any questions uh, soon, we'll get to you. So. But I guess uh, we'll go ahead and start. Oh, yeah, there we go. Uh... Hey, Charles. <laughs> yes, yeah, smash the like button. Smash it like Tar Jesus. Just, just pound it to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a fist bump. <laughs> yeah, I know, and I didn't even realize it. Like when I had you um, scheduled, um, was it Brad's doing? Um, what's her name from Friday the Thirteenth? Her actual name is Voorhees. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, that's going on too. So it might be back and forth with people. That's but, okay. Yeah, but people always watch can watch later too. So we can just yeah, we can go ahead and start. So sure. Um, my first question for you is, um, what age did you start making your own masks, costumes, and art stuff like that? Got you into um, it. I mean, for as long as I can remember, I've made art. So uh, you know, just as a little kid, like most little kids you make art and then i just never stopped so <laughs> a visual art you know drawing and painting was from a very young age and then um as far as uh masks and stuff i i um i probably made my first latex mask when i was in sixth grade maybe something like that i don't know how old that would make me what is that like 11 or 12 or something <laughs> so always big on halloween then huh yeah yeah real big when i was when i was much younger or not you know when i was when i was a kid i really wanted to uh, be a special effects makeup artist and so you know i would read a lot of uh of books on that like tom savini's grand illusions books and uh, dick smith's do-it-yourself monster makeup handbook those were my staple go-to's so th those dick smith and tom savini probably early on are what really got me into you know making things at that point and that was actually and, kind of my second question there who was your inspiration and then Tom Savini kind of answered that. Right yeah, there. like pause just for one second. I'm sorry. Charles brought this up that says that Clint sounds a little low. I thought that too, but I'm hard yeah. of hearing. I have my TV like my oh, monitor okay. set up to like 80 so I could hear you. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Is that better? Yeah. Uh, All right. That's a sorry good. about that. I saw somebody else say it. I thought it was just me since I have a hard time hearing, but when somebody else said it, I knew it wasn't just me. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, well, thanks, Charles, for pointing that out. <laughs> okay, go ahead and continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, you're fine. But yeah, at a young age, I, a lot of different inspirations. I mean, uh, my dad was into horror as well, but not the same kind I am. He you know, was into horror from his generation. So I started out watching films like you know, The Blob or Them, you know, giant monster movies, things like that. Um, and then when I really got into it, you know, I was into you know, more of the hardcore stuff for for my age at least you know i got i got into chainsaw massacre and uh, return of living dead and never else street at a pretty young age so <laughs> right and uh 
also a little bit going into that since you said you always wanted to do that but uh did you go to school right away for furthering your career on that or did you have a different major for that no i i i uh didn't go to school at all for it uh to be honest when i was in high school i was really uh wrapped up in you know making visual art and making films and uh, doing music and uh, maybe stupidly, once I graduated high school, I decided, you know, okay, I'm never going to be good at anything unless I focus. So I kind of put everything except for music on the back burner for a while, focused on that for a number of years until I had some success in, in the music field. And then, uh, you know, many years after that, kind of uh, jumped back into painting again and uh, finally got back into making films and things like that. So, Okay. Um, what was your first professional job and how was it that you got brought on board to the project? Uh, I mean, I guess it depends on how you define professional. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, uh, so, I mean, in high school, after school and uh, over the summers and stuff, I did work on a couple independent films, uh, you know, low budget films, uh, which, you know, I love. So not, nothing wrong with low budget, uh, but but they never uh, both of those so on one i i started as a pa because where i was going to high school there was a local production company that had just started up i was a pa on one and then i on the second one for the same company i was the uh, first ac uh, the assistant cameraman uh so you know pulling focus and changing out hard drives and things like that um and neither film <laughs> made it through the post-production process so <laughs> you can't watch either of those films uh so that that was kind of my early start but then uh once i got back into filmmaking the first big film i worked on in a very small capacity was uh scream four okay so yeah. uh i just did uh uh i was a tattoo artist at the time and one of my clients uh was my buddy skip crank and he's a prop master and uh he's worked on you know just a ton of films and tv shows over the years and uh they needed some paintings for uh for uh the stabathon sequence in screen four so uh, he asked if i would do a painting for that and he also got a lot of other artists involved from a gallery that i show at here in burbank called hyena gallery so me and a bunch of those artists contributed some artwork for the stabathon Stabathon sequence in that, <laughs> okay. and then from there it kind of snowballed. Right after that, he started a, a movie with. I uh, started working on a movie with Cameron Crowe called We Bought a Zoo, and I got brought into that movie to make some artwork for that. And then it just like ever since then, it's just been uh, nonstop craziness with movies and uh, TV. <laughs> okay, and welcome, Justin. Hey, hey. So. Um, and yeah, talking about um, being a concept artist and a prop maker, uh, for those who might not know the difference, could you explain that? And what's some of the favorite props that you've made for any of those films there? Sure. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the art that I do for film and television isn't considered concept art because it's art that you would then see that's actually on screen. Although I do also do concept art. So concept art is generally like before it's like a pre, in the pre-production stage, you'll do a drawing of a prop or a character or something basically to show the director to get them to approve it before you would create it at that stage. Um, but then, yeah, prop-wise, um, yeah, I've worked on so many things. Uh, some of the bigger projects over the years have been J.J. Uh, uh, Abrams' uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, and then I did another film uh, for his company called The... Uh, Cloverfield Paradox, I think it was. Uh, the third Cloverfield film, whatever. Yes, Paradox. <laughs> uh, yeah, and um, I did uh, Gone Girl with, um, I think that was uh, David Fincher's film, right? Or am I wrong on that? I got IMDb. <laughs> your IMDb pulled up. I can look. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the, t yeah, so. Yeah, David Fincher. Yeah, lo lots of. Uh, lots of uh, random stuff like that. And then TV shows, I've worked on a few episodes of like The Office and um, uh, Blackish. I've done like five seasons with Blackish now. Um, yeah, a lot. It's, it's, I, it's yeah, on IMDb, the, 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 you can see the list. <laughs> That's what I was say. Check out your IMDb. Yeah, I, I actually, th there's, for my art department and prop credits on IMDb, that's probably less than half of the things I've actually worked on that are on there because I'm more often than not uncredited, but which is 
totally fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I sort of mentioned, like we mentioned Cloverfield and all. Uh, I was saying, were you a fan of Cloverfield prior? Did you see the first two before working on the third one? Or I, I was a fan of the first two. Uh, uh, saw them both in the theater. Uh, it really, well, I saw the first one in the theater, the second one I saw after. Uh, but I really enjoyed those. But when I was working on the third one, it was not a Cloverfield movie. Right. It was called uh, the God particle, I believe is what it was called. And so, uh, and I, I had a very small thing in that. I, there's like a close up. Uh, there's a slusho bobblehead in the, in the movie. And that is literally my only contribution to that movie was that <laughs> slusho bobblehead. And um, yeah, so I, I didn't know it was going to be a Cloverfield movie that after, after they wrapped production on God Particle, I think, then that got kind of pulled further into the Avengers universe and okay. pulled into that franchise. They filmed some additional stuff afterward. Nice. Uh, hey, Phil, how's it going? Um, as for a little bit bigger project, um, let's talk about Dry Blood a little bit. Uh, what was the inspiration for that? And did you find it challenging to do the writing and portraying the main character? Uh yeah, so Dry Blood was a film that I wrote and produced and acted in, and the director's name is Kelton Jones, and uh, a little backstory on that, Kelton and I met in a writing group. I had I'd formed a screenwriting group uh, just to, you know, you know. get better, <laughs> and uh, another friend of mine was also forming a group at the same time, and we merged groups, and so Kelton came from his group, and <clears throat> that's where we met. And yeah, well, we hit it off right away, and um, we decided we wanted to make a movie together, and uh, Dry Blood was, I think, at the time, maybe my fifth or sixth script that I had written, and uh, we picked that because it was, uh, quite frankly, we didn't have a lot of money to work with, and it was uh, contained location, small cast, and uh, we kind of uh, went at it that way. I didn't realize at the time... <clears throat> Or early on, I, I didn't intend to act in it at all. You know, that was just a, uh, a budgetary constraint. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty but, good. I enjoyed it. Uh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a lot. Of, I had a lot of fun doing it. And then Kelton, the director, also he plays the cop in the film. Uh, basically, the cast and crew were very intertwined. Uh, so yeah, I was about to say he played the cop. I thought that was like stalking your character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was super fun. Uh, you know, I mean, I guess just the basic start of the idea is that I wanted to tell a ghost story from the point of view of an unreliable narrator. So if you're experiencing the film from this guy's point of view, you never really know if you're really seeing a ghost or if it's his, you know, hallucinations, he's mentally unstable and, uh, you know, has uh, some substance abuse pro problems and, and that kind of, I wanted to keep the audience on their toes in terms of not knowing whether or not what they were seeing as, as the audience through this character's eyes was in fact really happening. And we just kind of tried to hold that through the movie as long as possible. <laughs> right. Definitely. When I was watching it, you know, got to pay attention and it does lead to some interesting twists and questions and stuff while you're watching it. So I mean, I think it was portrayed quite well. So. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was really fun. And that, I mean, that was my first film as a writer and producer and actor. <laughs> so, I mean, it was a first for just for many of the people who, who worked on the film, you know, all 12 of us. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And uh, Kelton's actually in pre-production stages. He's getting ready to make another film this year, uh, which I won't say too much about because uh, I'm sure he'll want to talk more about that, but uh, I'm sure he's got, he's going to have a lot of great things coming out in the future. And then uh, I am in the process of trying to get uh, my next film off the ground, uh, which uh, fingers crossed, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you were talking also about independent movies. Uh, this wasn't a question I had, but I was thinking, uh, what do you think of the Wild Eye movies, the independent movies there? Are you into those at all, or would you ever consider working on one of them? To the Wild Eye movies? Yeah, for a Wild Eye, would you ever do a Wild oh, Eye movie? Oh, uh, what, what movies have they done? I'm not familiar with that. Oh, well, they're uh, independent. Uh, they uh, release movies of independent filmmakers. Um, Karis Hell is one. Uh, Triggered. I mean, there's tons of them. I mean, you're only listing the good ones. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm listing the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good though. You know, don't, don't tell me to watch the bad ones. <laughs> I'm sure they're all good. 
<laughs> they're good in their own way and i mean it's a good chance for filmmakers though to put their movies out and you know and with yeah each other, i mean get I, better and yeah I, I love a good bad movie so you know i'm not gonna yeah they are that. they do have some but you gotta be careful once you start getting into like the shark movie <laughs> yeah the shark movies uh <laughs> yeah if you see anything that um what was his name brian i can't even remember his name but yeah, they a lot of the shark movies are they're bad. <laughs> is this like uh, is this like House Shark or Shark? No, House Shark. Like... I actually like House Shark, but that's <laughs> oh, yeah, I haven't seen it. It's really funny, and if you if you end up watching it like House Shark, I highly suggest bad CGI sharks. They're hilarious. Uh, we've had them. Um, I'm on a different podcast. We had the guys on there that created that. And it's just like they're like one big family, and they put a lot of love into this movie, and they purposely made it bad. But it's very fun. Highly recommended. House Shark, I recommend, but it's not near as good as uh, bad CGI sharks. But they're kind of in the like same company, but they're not Wild Eye. Yeah. Wild Eye, they like to put megalodons in the lake. They have flying sharks. Um, uh, sign sharks. <laughs> Frankenstein, yeah, yeah, Frankenstein shark. What else is there? Um, I think uh, Vlasa Pastor. That's uh, oh, okay. I, I've that's heard of that one. That that one's been uh, getting some attention lately. Yeah, that one's not it. that bad. But they have like Shark Exorcist that doesn't even have like an exorcist in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the shark maybe the shark is the exorcist, and yeah. you can't tell because he can't talk. <laughs> But yeah, they they got some out there films. <laughs> nice. Now I'll, I'll have to check them out. I I do like uh, a lot of indie cinema, so uh, always down to discover new things. They have uh, if you have Amazon Prime, just type in Wild Eye releasing, and they have a whole list of ones that you can watch on there. So. Okay. Cool. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, what and, we're Oh, oh sorry. The bad oh, CGI ahead. shark that I suggested. Amazon actually got their name wrong. They are on Prime, but just says shark. <laughs> <laughs> just says shark. Yeah, I, I just saw them talk about that because I talked to the guys a lot, and yeah, they posted that Amazon got their name wrong, so it's just listed as shark on Prime. But Tubi says bad CGI shark. Huh. I, I, I see you have a stuffed shark behind you too. Yeah, he's our uh, shark expert here. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a mask. Awesome. <laughs> I'm just, you're that clever land shark. <laughs> um, so when you were working on Santa Clarita Diet, uh, when you made the zombie spider creature. Uh, oh, yeah. Just, Mr. Ball Legs. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Ball Legs. Um, did, was there already a concept for it or was that all you did they just describe it to you or what was the yeah they uh, they just described it for me so uh, my buddy David Saltzman was the uh, was the prop master on that and um, he had uh, we had worked together on a number of things actually I had met him he was the uh, second unit uh, prop master on we bought a zoo so the second major film I worked on he was on that and met him there and he called me up. Uh, they had the original, you know, vomit ball right? <laughs> yeah. uh, that they that they threw up, and they only had one. Uh, There's only one copy of it, and uh, so they had it all through the first season, and they and so they gave me that vomit ball to start with, um, <laughs> and uh, I made a mold of that in silicone mold, and I cast a little resin piece. So I had the original uh, vomit ball, and then. I, I believe I started doing some, um, I think I did some concept sketches for them just to get a general look. And then I just uh, basically sculpted him out. I think I made three or four different versions of him before we reached on one that they really liked. Uh, and they were all very similar versions. The differences between them were like uh, bigger legs, smaller legs, you know, just in scale. It was just the scale <laughs> with the vomit ball, but it all looked pretty similar. Um, and that was pretty much just like a buildup that it wasn't like I sculpted it and molded it or anything. I just, I had the mold of the ball and then I, you know, sculpted the legs up and, and the bottom part, you know, where it would all connect in the joints and I wired it up too. I didn't know how they were going to use it. So I wired it so that it could be used as a stop motion puppet, you know, 
Um, so I had a, I had an armature in there, but as you can see in the film, they actually just ended up, it's all digital, what you see on the show. So mm -hmm. I believe they either scanned in, in my original design and, uh, and animated it from there, or they just looked at it and had someone else re-sculpted it or more than likely a, co <laughs> a combination of the two, I would guess, uh, you know, probably a digital scan and then clean up. I'm not really sure, but that was a fun one. And, and um, I was already what I had loved the first season. So always love it when you get to work on a show uh, that you're already a fan of, you know, because a lot of times, you know, it's just like you get a random call. Hey, we need this for this show. And a lot of times I haven't seen it before. So that one was cool because I was already a fan. So yeah. I'm so mad they canceled it. The way they ended it, I was like, yes, oh, I can't wait to see this. Oh, oh we're not continuing. Like, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. I, I watched that show. It's like as soon as the season dropped, I would binge watch that whole season in a day. I absolutely love Santa Clarita Diet. Yeah, it was, oh, it was great. Oh, you know, the other thing I did was uh, I did do something on season three, too. Also, Mr. Ballegs related. Uh, when they have him in the tank, I think it's Drew Barrymore that puts in like a little toy of a spider with a top hat and a cane. Uh, I made I made that too. So, and sa same process. Did the design sketches on it, and then they found the look they like, and then I sculpted it, and yeah, uh, made a few copies of that. So, yeah. So with uh, like spiders and stuff, uh, you also did some work on Itsy Bitsy. Did you do spiders on there too, or what was your? Uh... Uh, yeah, I worked on Itsy Bitsy. I I did not do spiders on that originally. Let's see, what did I start as on that film? They have you seen the movie? I have. I own it. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. So the spider is for those who haven't seen it, who may be watching. Uh, it's it's a giant spider movie, but they're not like massive spiders. They're like small dog sized spiders which makes them creepier creepy you know you know and there's like a this ancient vase type thing like an egg-shaped thing that's stolen from this tribe and it has all these inscription on it and when that breaks open the spider gets loose so i actually the first thing i started on was just building that big prop uh and it had to be able to shatter and then be rebuilt and shatter, you know, for multiple takes. So I made a couple of rubber ones that could just be dropped and you could throw them around. And then uh, the hero one actually um, was all these different shards that were joined together with magnets. So you could connect it and then you could drop it and it would break apart and look cool on film. And then you could just kind of puzzle it back together and get more takes out of it. So that's, that's what I started doing. And, and they enjoyed that a lot. And then they ended up doing... Uh, after the main story was shot, uh, they decided they wanted to add some elements to it, which is all the tribal sequence that I believe starts the film. So then they brought me back in to do that. And on that, I was actually the art director. So I, um, I oversaw, you know, all the set, the sets and the costume stuff that was built on that. And, uh, and then I actually built like the uh, sacrificial altar and uh, a few other parts like that, all the little weird stuff you see inside the huts and all that jazz. Okay. So on uh, most of the movies, how often um, that you're on set and stuff that is just built off set that you're not on set at all? Like, are you on set more often than not? Or I am not on set most of the time. Not, you know, 90% of the work I, I, uh, I do off, off set. Uh, I try to, if, if I, I, I love being on set, if I'm uh, writing, directing, acting, producing, but uh, if I'm not doing one of those jobs, I much prefer to be home uh, or, you know, or working, you know, <laughs> building something. It, it's, it's weird on set, like on a big film, like on a union picture, everyone, you know, you might, on some of the big films I've worked on, there might be, I don't know. I'm probably exaggerating, but it feels like a thousand people, right? You know, that there's definitely over a hundred people, you know, on, on like a big movie set. And uh, because of union regulations, they'll have a very specific job and they can't really do anything outside of the constraints of, of what that job is. Uh, so as like a guy who doesn't like to stop working, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it, it's just frustrating for me a lot of times because I'm there to do a very specific thing and then I have to sit around and twiddle my thumbs for you know 11 out of 12 hours so <laughs> right oh uh, let's see um you worked on um uh, I haven't had a chance to see it I'm gonna check out uh Sister Tempest uh you did the visual effects on that and also an angel can you tell us a little about that yeah, I yeah I have a, a small role in that film, just uh, one scene where I'm wearing a 
ridiculous wig, which is kind of <laughs> amazing. Uh, the, so that the director of that film, uh, Joe Badon, and the editor, uh, Joseph Estrada, I met them both at a film festival in Utah called um, Film Quest, which is a, one of my favorite film festivals. And they were there promoting their first feature film, which was called The God Inside My Ear. And it was a very extremely low budget film. And uh, so of course I was in, you know, I had to watch it and I, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was incredible, very unique, original, so well done. Uh, I, if I had seen the film not knowing what the budget was, I never would have guessed. They really just did a lot with that movie. And so I went up <clears throat> to Joe and Joseph after the screening and I just said, hey, I loved your film. I want to work with you on something. And, uh, and then, yeah, we just kind of hit it off. We talked for a while and we kept in touch. And then when he, uh, when uh, Joe had finished the script for uh, Sister Tempest, he sent it over to me and I loved it. And um ended up coming in as an executive producer on the film. I have a small role in it, and then I did some uh, visual effects on it too. Uh, but that being said, the, the visual effects on it are very light. I'd say there's a little bit of digital, but most of the stuff is all practical in camera and um, just very cool and creative and stylistic. A lot of use of like miniatures and um, it's just wacky, uh, a very avant-garde kind of film style, but super cool and bizarre and very original and uh, very proud to just you know, have a small part in it for sure. And um, do you enjoy doing more like practical effects or digital or what's uh, your favorite to do? You know, I like them both. I used to just be hardcore practical, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't want nothing to do with digital. Um, <clears throat> but nowadays, uh, digital has come a long way and I, I, it definitely has has its place especially in independent cinema cinema well in uh, all cinema but uh for me you know i'm not working with big budgets when i'm making something right so if i want to blow something up i generally can't afford to blow up a house or a, a car or whatever so it makes sense you know you do that stuff digitally and hard surface things like vehicles or machinery things like that look really good digital most of the time you never know you're looking at something that's digital it's the organic characters that tend to give themselves away as digital so uh when i can help it i i steer away from that kind of visual effect in my in my own work but um i've done it sometimes in music videos and stuff and it it's still cool uh i i i didn't really the, the uh short answer is i i i now I love them both, uh, but for very different reasons. I, I love the challenge of visual effects because I'm still, you know, probably only four or five years into uh, working in that field, and it's super fun and challenging, and I, I like that. Uh, the other thing it opened up for me, and for any independent filmmakers that might be watching, I would say learn the program Blender because it is a 100% free program, free to download, use, and it's fantastic. You can do just about any big budget film special effect in this program that is completely free, and you will up your game with uh, what you can do in your films for no budget. So check it out, Blender. Nice. Blender.org is the website. Blender, I'm sorry, you kind of... Oh, uh, blender.org is the website where you can download it. Yeah. And no, they're not paying me to say this. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely going to check that out. Uh, you got any questions, Boom? Um, I know you kind of went over a couple because I was going to ask about Mr. Balllegs, but because he was like he was almost like a, like a whole new the character. Was it like your idea to like bring him to life, or was it somebody else's like idea to kind of bring him to life? I mean, I'm, I'm the yeah. I, I didn't create the character in terms of of coming up <laughs> with the idea of him. That whoever I would you know was writing the writers of, of that show and and you know I'm sure or the producers or something. Yeah, well, you kind of that wasn't me. Came up with the you idea. You gave him his like look. So yeah, yeah. I, I, you gave yeah, him my, his personality. Yeah, my my task was just to uh, design him <laughs> and, and uh, you know create a physical uh, version of him. But um, yeah. Uh, it's cool, you know. That that's one thing that I worked on, where, um, you know, because I just work on so many different projects, and a lot of times I just like I, I'll look at some of my credits on IMDb and I'll go, "Fuck, I don't even remember working on that movie." <laughs> um, 
and um, and that's one where the character, you know, it, it is a character in the show, even though you know it doesn't talk or anything. And right. it had a, it had a life beyond the show. Like you know, you still or I still you know see people in Facebook groups or Instagram, you know, make their own version and you know <laughs> post it and stuff. And it's kind of cool to have something that you that you've done just live beyond what it was initially created for. And I know my husband will be mad if I don't ask this. On Star Trek Into the Darkness, it said you did, like, concept art. Like, did you just, like, do, like, panel work, or what did you do? Uh, just, I, I worked on one very specific scene in that film, uh, which was <clears throat> the opening sequence well, where they're on the red volcano planet. Um, and so all of the aliens that live on that planet uh, you know, it starts out with Kirk has stolen their religious scroll from them and he runs and slams it in a tree. It unfurls and then all these aliens are chasing him and they have like spears and uh, primitive weapons that they're throwing at him. So on that, I designed and built all of the uh, the scroll as well as all of the weapons and tools that those aliens use. So I, I was on that movie, even though it was just one scene, which is probably, you know, three or four minutes of screen time. <laughs> I was I was in pre-production on that film for about three months of just building everything and then uh i think i was on set for maybe a week or two filming it and my only pur pur purpose on set was to fix things when they broke because it was <laughs> i mean because it's, it's all these you know fake weapons that actors are throwing um and a few things did break so it was a good thing i was there uh <laughs> But I, one thing in particular about that movie, which which I which was a fun little thing, and, and it's a good good that I was on set for. Uh, there is a scene where like the elder alien uh, has like this staff, and he draws a picture of the Enterprise in the sand, uh, and it's just like a quick cutaway. But when I was originally building the the props, the reference that I was given was, "Oh, it should be kind of like Yoda's cane." <laughs> you know, so I made this little cane type thing, and then literally 20 minutes before they're shooting the scene, um, uh, the director uh, said, "No, it shouldn't look like that. It needs to be this big staff." You know, he's a full size dude. <laughs> so I, I had, and I, I, I had all these spare parts from all the other weapons, you know, from the molds from the other weapons that didn't get used. You know. <laughs> Uh, oh, to build it up. Yeah, right. Oh, you literally look like a thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, are you okay? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no worries. Uh, I yeah, so I, I ended up just having to build that on the fly, and then uh, and then the the tip of it that he actually does the drawing in, I just had to. I, there's a stuff you can get at Home Depot. It's called Steel Stick. It's like a two part epoxy. You smush it together and it hardens. And so I just had because there was no time. I had to sculpt the tip, of, <laughs> the tip of that at the very last minute, and it hardened just in time to paint it and get it to set. Nice. Uh, so that was that was an extremely last minute addition. So <laughs> that's actually another question I was going to ask about any last minute crazy moments on set that you had to change anything, any props. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> But that was the biggest last minute one and and then also on that so the scroll that kirk's running with um i think it was chris pine plays kirk in that right yes um i made a few different versions of the scroll there were a couple hero what they call hero props and those are the ones that you see in close-up that typically if the prop has a mechanical action it's the hero prop that will have the action so in this case it, it the one that unfurls that's a hero prop but i also made a bunch of stunt props because uh you don't want to because that the hero one is mechanical and you don't want to have your actor doing 100 takes or whatever you know <laughs> running with a mechanical object because it could easily break so i did make uh a few stunt ones and uh and the first one he was squeezing it so hard as he was running that he he popped one of the uh one of the um <laughs> bamboo rods out man to fix it on set. But that, that was not a big deal and of course i had a bunch of backups anyway when there's a saying in the prop business or at least in bigger films it's one is none so basically you never make just one of any prop because it will break and then you'll be screwed or the production will be so anytime you have to make something generally speaking you're making a lot of them just in case you know <laughs> So how long does it take, um, since you have to make multiple ones, how long does it usually take to like get a decent amount of uh, number props done? Yeah, it's really different from prop to prop. So with that scroll, 
uh, the hero scroll an extremely long time because that was there's basically two kinds of props you can you can make i mean there's more but I, to generalize there, there's the kind of prop where you can make an original and then you can make a mold of it and then just cast it and uh you know and stamp out however many you need because you have a mold and then there's another and then there's props like that <laughs> scroll that are so complex that you have to they're buildups you're building them from the ground up every time and those those type of props take longer because then you have to <clears throat> not only are you building it from the ground up but because it's not working from a mold you, you have to match it exactly to that first version you made um so those ones take a while i mean probably building each one of those was probably at least a week itself on each one of those hero scrolls um but uh yeah like i said three months in on that film just building stuff so nice. but you know it's all it's all fun you know yeah. I was able, uh my my friend adam helms uh came over and we uh i uh basically recruited him to help me build a bunch of spears and stuff <laughs> like that so he, he he did a lot of the uh of the hard work on that <laughs> or, or the, the uh, monotonous work you know <laughs> And I also, just so you know, my husband, uh, he was listening and he gave me a thumbs up. So he liked it. He liked it. Love that scene. That was an awesome He said he loved that scene. It was an awesome scene. I don't know, but he's standing behind the computer. So oh, thank, thanks very much. Thank you. <laughs> and I yeah. see you did a prop, prop, eh, prop maker for Ted 2. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that was a fun one. Um, <laughs> So another friend of mine, uh, J.P. Jones, who I've worked with on a number of films, he was uh, he was also on We Bought a Zoo. Basically, almost every prop contact that I've had now all <laughs> stemmed from We Bought a Zoo, basically. There are so many prop guys on that. Uh, but, yeah, uh, anyway, uh, J.P. called me up on that, and they were doing a this, – this, this is so – common in the prop industry uh or at least for me it is i don't know if it is for the rest of people but i'll get a call and it'll be like oh shit we need like all this stuff yesterday uh so <laughs> uh, but in, in this case i think i had a week or two uh, they're doing the there there's a scene in ted 2 where they go to comic-con in new york and there's a bunch of cosplayers with all these different uh you know different costumes and sci-fi weapons and stuff like that so i yeah. had to build uh, like in a week or two, all these different replicas of weapons from different movies for the cosplayers in the background oh, of, that, <laughs> of that scene. So it was like a lot of Star Wars weapons. There was like a Barbarella gun. There was uh, <laughs> uh, some different random generic like alien light up staffs and things like that. And it was super fun and really fun to build all that stuff. Um, and um, you can only see about a quarter of it in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's, it's so amazing to hear that it's like you put so much work into like one scene especially with props and it's only in for like so long yeah. oh yeah i mean i've done plenty of stuff that it just doesn't even make it into the movie it's just the way it goes you know yeah you, you can't get uh, too attached to it uh, for me the joy of it is in the building you know i just have fun putting things together so uh once you know once it's out of my hands and uh as long as they pay me for it uh, <laughs> I, don't care, I don't care what they do with it after <laughs> so even if it's not in the movie you still get paid so. yeah exactly exactly and that's just the nature of filmmaking you know uh some stuff is going to hit the cutting room floor or sometimes uh art department wise you'll build something for a scene and it just so happens the camera never pans that direction and it is what it is but if it did they were prepared with the right prop you know so exactly i guess whether it be a prop or a scene uh, i was an extra and never back down and at one point i was around the ring interacted with the um with cam the main fighter in it and unfortunately they didn't use that scene but it's oh, like, no. oh. and then like i even shouted out um when people were booing, I don't know if you saw that about the fight. I haven't seen it yet. No. Well, there's the part where they're fighting, and it's kind of boring, like he's losing, and I, we were booing, so I just shouted out, "Fight back!" really loud. Everybody <laughs> starts, so everybody started chanting, "Fight back!" and thinking, "Oh, that's still gonna make it." Nah. It was bad, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> but hey, I made five hundred dollars just for being an extra. That was like hey, score. Nice. And us and, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a good time though, and watching it and the road that they um fought on everything you know it was the mat and the they were painting on the bruises and sweat in between takes and 
it was like from uh, six in the evening to six in the morning, we did that whole end scene. So I mean, it, it is a lot of work goes into it. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it, it's funny. Yeah. Cause you'll, you'll be on something like that and you'll, yeah, you'll work the entire day for something that may only be on camera for, you know, if at all <laughs> for, it's for like, like, you see like one camera for like four seconds when he walks by in the club i'm talking to this girl like if you're looking you can tell it's me otherwise i'm just like in the sure. ground it's, it's yeah, like i was gonna say it's like here you're gonna tell all these people hey i'm an extra in this film and then they show the film you don't know you're cut and you're just like you're no cut. you're oh, lying you ain't in that you don't know it like oh yeah i had a part with so-and-so and then it's cut out <laughs> yeah yeah I, it just it, it happens quite a lot you know i mean there, there were actors that got cut out of star wars that that one has to sting <laughs> yeah. Yeah. after the fact right <laughs> set for life but your character's on the cutting room floor <laughs> oh. i was in star wars where <laughs> in the deleted scenes that never got released <laughs> yeah, you had to go to the special features and then there's a hidden easter egg and yeah. <laughs> Charles uh, Cochran was asking, uh, "What future gigs uh, do you have coming?" Oh. I know we somewhat briefly combed over it when we started, but I don't know if he was sure. Part. Well, uh, unfortunately, the nature of the industry is that I have what they call non-disclosure agreements on <laughs> so i can never talk about what i have coming up in in detail you know like i can't say oh i did i did this but i, I with with being super vague i did get to do a little bit of prop work on on a big franchise horror film coming out which is uh which i was very excited to work on and that's as specific as i can get on that and then um <laughs> And I've just been doing visual effects work. Uh, one, one thing I do have coming up that I can talk about, uh, a buddy of mine, his name's Anthony Ferraro, and he has a YouTube channel called Create Sci-Fi, which is a really great channel. I recommend it for anybody who's interested in, in prop making or just low-budget filmmaking because he just basically shows you how to, like, go to a dollar store and spend five bucks and then build a spaceship out of it or whatever. You know, it's a really fun, fun channel. And, um, and me and him, uh, he, he wrote and directed a star Wars fan film and asked me to be in it. So I have a small role as a Twi'lek, which is the blue aliens with the weird head tentacles uh in in this film and i also did some visual effects it was a good excuse to even though it wasn't an official star wars film uh just to get to do some fun uh you know star wars spaceships flying around and speeder bike action things like that and anytime i get to act in anything it's always a hoot <laughs> yeah is there anything uh do you have any plans in the future any ideas that any more movies like dry blood you want to write any more yeah i mean i i've got uh I've got a stack of scripts that I've written so far and I'm uh, <clears throat> in the beginning stages of writing an, another one right now, which yeah, it's probably my eighth or ninth script. I'm not sure uh, around there. Uh, and th this one I plan on being my next f film that I'm going to make myself, you know? Okay. Um, so, I mean, it's a tough business screenwriting, you know, like, if you're writing something to sell, you know, it's a whole, it's a whole other thing, but uh, the good thing about making films is making independent films is you can just write something and go, yep, yeah, that's the one I'm going to make. And then okay. hopefully, hopefully if you can get it funded, <laughs> you can make it. Yeah. that's the trick. <laughs> right. So, well, definitely keep an eye out for future projects there for sure. So. Thanks. Yeah. I, if, um, if all goes well, I, I hope to be in pre-production on it later this year, and and that I I don't have a, a final title for it, so but I, I will say it's a uh, sci-fi horror film. So it has a lot of sci-fi elements to it, but it will be extremely gory. Uh, nice, you know. So <laughs> I like uh, those types. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Dry Blood was pretty gory too. So yeah. Thanks. I didn't yeah, get that, a chance to watch that one yet. Oh, what happened? Oh uh, yeah, check it out. Yes. <laughs> but but. Um, yeah, this one, yeah, Dry, dry Blood, this is, they're both gory, but in different ways. Dry Blood, you wouldn't call a feel-good film at all. It's very uh, disturbing graphic violence, and this is more, uh, the vibe of this film, although 
arguably more violent than dry blood but it, it's more of like a fun 80s horror vibe to it you know oh nice i have to definitely check it out yeah i just seen it says it's playing on imdb tv for free so oh yeah yeah no no dry blood not not the fun film but, <laughs> but still good i mean, go watch it <laughs> please <laughs> Yeah, I believe it's on Tubi too. But yeah, it's on Tubi. I, I, I oh, it's on Tubi. Okay. And, and I think it's on uh, YouTube as well, but it's like a rental through there. So, but you can do uh, yeah. it for free through Tubi, I believe. And then uh, Dread Central, it's an it's one of their numbered movies, which I have it that way. Because I oh, sweet. The, I yeah. The Dread Central presents movies. I got. Yeah. Call, if, so. I, if I could just take a moment too, just to plug them. Oh, go uh, for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, Dread and Epic Pictures. Uh, Dread is the horror subsidiary of Epic Pictures. So together uh, they released Dry Blood and uh, uh, my buddy Rob Galuzzo, uh, who plays a store clerk in Dry Blood, he was, he was working for Dread at the time and, and he brought us on. But yeah, it's just been a real, uh, really great experience working with, uh, with that team and uh super cool and they put out a lot of great movies uh so people who are watching if you haven't checked out their catalog check it out they've got a lot of great stuff probably the biggest film on their catalog that a lot of people have seen is terrifier um uh, but there's a lot of other stuff on there that kind of slipped under the radar that's really cool so uh, yeah check out what they're doing good stuff yeah, epic, it was like epicpictures.com, something like that, but or I forget this dread. Yeah, I, I think so. It might be. I think it's epic pictures. <laughs> I forget. I should know because I just ordered Queen of Spades. Like, I have all their numbered movies. All yeah, I mean, certainly there. if you Google epic pictures, it'll probably be the first thing yeah. that comes up. And then actually, one of them they're releasing uh, just came out Benny Loves You, the little Elmo. Kid oh, I just I just did a review on that. <laughs> oh, nice. I, I, I see all their promo for it, but Benny I have not you. watched it. It's a pretty wild movie. Yeah. It's like Toy Story Fights Back. <laughs> That's how I described it. <laughs> yeah, Toy Story Fights Back. We see everything. <laughs> nice. Nice. Oh, I, I can't. I this isn't necessarily movie related, but this is a project I've been working on just on my own. Here, I'll show you guys. Uh, I've just been building these little uh, zombie heads. You know. Yeah, those <laughs> so, are cool. When we got zoomed out a little bit, I noticed that one and the one on your other side. I yeah, that, that one too. So th these are the that guy and this guy. They're from the same mold. They're just different paint schemes. So I, I build these for fun, but. Um, there, Those are pretty one, cool. They're also available for sale on my website. I, I, saw, <laughs> yeah, I saw you had posted pictures of those on your Facebook. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the zombies on the other side, they're heavy, so I can't pick those up. Those ones I didn't build. Those are actually lights. They have lights inside the rib cages. Those were made by my friend Kevin Clem, who's a cool artist. Uh, if you're familiar, I don't know if you are, with the magazine Girls and Corpses. He was, no. he was the guy that would build all the corpses. I know, it's a very cool <laughs> uh, He would build all the corpses for that magazine. And uh, yeah, he, I really love his art. So I've got a couple those other corpses to the side when we're in the wide shot. That was nice. Awesome stuff. Yeah, I saw that and I saw the other ones. Those ones caught my eye you because know, they're a little bit more colorful. Those ones caught my eye a little bit before that one. But yeah, those are all pretty cool. Then he has some sort of thing with bones up top. Oh yeah, lots of yeah. I think yeah, no. <laughs> lots of weird. <laughs> yeah, that, that bone sculpture. Uh, yeah, it's um, that was a piece of art from my friend Skip Crank, who I'd mentioned earlier, who was the guy that got me started in the prop business. So I've got a few of his pieces. He's a cool uh, um, assemblage artist, I guess you would call it. You know, just yeah. cool and making these rad sculptures out of them. Nice. <laughs> Um, so yeah, not hor really horror related. Earlier, you said uh, you were a tattoo artist, uh, or you, you yeah, for form, or you actually brief of time. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I was a regular regular tattoo artist. Okay. Yeah, so uh, what had I? Yeah, I how I got into that was uh, for a large part of my life I was a touring musician, and I'm still a musician. I still you know release albums and stuff. I just, just you know. Mm -hmm gotten to movies more and stopped touring as much. Uh, but uh, I'm uh, the drummer for one of the bands. My main band is called System Sin. That's a band I write for and sing in, but I was also playing keyboards in a band called Imperative Reaction. And the drummer for that band, Trevor Friedrich, was a tattoo artist and he just started tattooing me every time we would be on the road. <laughs> and, uh, and then I, and then he kind of showed me the ropes on that. And I just got, <laughs> got into it and did that for a few years. Um, but then, you know, kind of the movie gigs kind of took off and I just went another direction with that. 
but uh yeah it, it was super fun and uh you know it's basically like because uh, you know it's basically you just like like getting to hang out with with people for a couple hours and you just you know really get to know people and have cool conversations with them while you're making art their mm. skin just happens to be the canvas so it was right. really it was a really cool thing but uh, yeah i think you know my love of making movies kind of trumped my desire to be a tattoo artist <laughs> yeah i think the same i would probably pick the same well i'm not no artist i i probably draw like a second grader but <laughs> i wouldn't be have the option of that but yeah i would probably pick you know doing something with movies over that as well yeah not dissing the other one i'm just saying <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> uh, let's see uh anyone have any questions in the chat or yeah I just had that one from charles i haven't seen any other ones pop up so. let's see i think what else we covered uh <laughs> any other interesting stories uh that you want to share or uh or experiences let's... Oh, I, anything I else you'd like to plug or yeah or if you uh, want to plug anything or... yeah sure i mean I'll, I'll plug uh uh my band system sin and it's spelled with uh sin is spelled the y so system s-y-n if you go to systemsin.com you can get my albums on there as well as those zombie head things i if you like those things i also sell my art as well as music stuff on there but i put out uh a new album last year called once upon a second act and if you look for that on YouTube, you'll find a music video that I shot, that I directed and did everything on for, <laughs> uh, for, for the title track on that album. And then just this year, I released a remix album uh, from that uh, called If It Doesn't Break You. And so, yeah, there's my, there's my music plug. Yay. <laughs> uh, when you mentioned the YouTube, does it, uh, do you have your own channel or? Uh... Yeah, it's uh, System Send, the name of the band. That's my okay. channel. So it's band related stuff, but I also do some tutorial things on, I, I've got one, I've only done like a couple tutorials so far, but I've got more lined up. Actually, I'm going nice. to grab something over here and show you. Okay, go uh, for it. <laughs> <clears throat> So the first tutorial video I did was buying like a super cheap, crappy Creature from the Black Lagoon mask. And I show you in the video how to turn it into like a display. So this is this is what it became after oh. I took the mask and oops, where's the there, there you go. Right there. <laughs> uh yeah, so I it goes from like a really cheap, I think it was a eleven, twelve dollar mask on Amazon to just like a a hard uh you know display that can go on your shelf and i just go through basically uh foam filling it uh repainting uh, and doing a little additional sculpting work on it so I, i've got that and i got another video on making like little zombie busts and things like that but i've got a, i've got many other things planned but as per usual in my life uh oftentimes uh you know the uh paying the bills gets in the way of <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i just figured out in case it wasn't clear in case anybody wanted to look it up but yeah i'm gonna definitely have to check that out oh thanks yeah so, super super fun stuff obviously keeping busy but would you have any plans of maybe doing any conventions or yeah well i mean I just saw the notification last week that Monster Palooza is coming back, and that's the big uh, mm -hmm. convention here in LA. <clears throat> it's actually in Burbank, which is the city I live in, so it's super convenient for me. <laughs> so I, I, unless I'm out of town, uh, you know, on a film or at a festival or something, um, I hit it every year. So that's in October. I'm definitely planning on going. I mean, I'm not going as like a guest. I'm going just to go because I'm just nerd, to have fun. You know, yeah, I love horror things, and you know, um, but generally speaking, they do like a they do uh, like an art gallery section there every year where they have like a lot of cool props and things like that on display as well as paintings. So almost every year, possibly every year, I don't know if I missed a year. I've had paintings on display there. So, um, so I, I, I don't know if that'll happen again this year. I haven't talked to uh, them about it, but possibly, and if now not there, probably up again after the last year and a half, two years been kind of crazy and no conventions, but they're finally starting back. Up. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I'm just, I'm just excited to, to go back to it. Cause for me, <clears throat> and I, I think for a lot of guys in just working in the film industry, going to a horror convention like that is like your chance to see all of your, all of your industry friends in one 
in one place, you know, yeah. a lot of times you, you only see people when you happen to be working on a film with them, which isn't often, you know, for a lot of them. So, but I, I love the horror conventions because you just go from booth to booth and it's generally, <laughs> generally speaking, <laughs> yeah. one person after another that, that you've, you know, had some kind of a friendship with over the years. So mm -hmm. yeah, they're super fun. That's pretty much what they're all about. I mean, besides meeting you and all the guests, I mean, this sharing common interests and all the cool stuff that they display and I mean, oh yeah it's great I mean, yeah and i love seeing like like uh i mean it's awesome you know on one hand you get to see all the stuff that all these people have created whose work you know and love but the other cool thing is, is you'll get to go and you'll get to see work by new artists that you haven't heard of that just rented you know they got a booth there on the floor and they're and they're making cool masks or, or artwork or whatever and so you get to discover a lot of new stuff at conventions as well um super uh, yeah I just yeah i've only that. been to a couple but yeah the artwork is usually just super amazing yeah it's a it's a lot of fun what what, what conventions are out by you guys um, I think Days of the Dead, and cause I think, I don't know if there's any, even, I'm in Wisconsin, I don't think there's any, but Chicago isn't that far. Uh, I think Days of the Dead has been in Chicago. Nice, yeah, I have not been to that I one can't yet. think of anything else that <laughs> that's going on right now that I've seen. Uh, <laughs> I haven't been to a convention in years. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Spooky Empire in Orlando, um, I went to few months ago and they're doing another one in october oh nice so, nice yeah and oh, um cool. i'm not sure who's the i think like days of the dead are pretty much the ones that are starting to do more conventions i haven't heard of too many other ones nice there's one there's one that i really want to travel to in indiana called mask fest and it's just oh, yeah. just people that make masks and it's like you know well, yeah they had that one year it was like connected with horror hound because yeah, i went to oh, horror okay. hound. oh all right yeah i went to horror hound and i remember they had a separate section of mass oh, yeah, yeah. best but it was like all combined but it did have separate section oh cool but yeah, yeah that, that was really cool yeah, that that would be my jam because I'm a big time mask collector. So yeah, um, I think Horror Hounds might be doing one. I'd have to look it up. I'm not sure if they're back or not. Oh yeah, I just I, I just stalked the Mask Fest uh, Instagram account, and then uh, <laughs> and then after the convention's over, I, I follow all the mask makers that uh, sell stuff there, and I end up you know buying the buying the leftovers. But someday I'd like to go so I can get first pick. Yeah. <laughs> Charles Cochran says Motor City Nightmares for me. So I must be close to where he's at. Oh, cool. <laughs> I think I just seen, I know Wizard World's a little bit bigger, but I think I just seen somebody post a Wizard World was coming back this year too. But that's oh. usually more of everything, not just horror. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think what else I've seen. Oh, Texas Nightmare is um supposed to be doing one this year uh i forget if it's may or september if they moved it but texas frightmare weekend is coming back this year. oh cool cool yeah and they just had one in vegas last month or a couple weeks ago or something too I yeah can't remember the name but yeah i'm, I'm excited that that things are getting back to normal because uh yeah i'm ready to uh go to a convention <laughs> again <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah i don't even know i'd probably well unless they have any in madison i don't know we just moved to Wisconsin a few years ago, so I'm not familiar. I'm more, I know like all the ones in uh, Illinois were in Chicago, and that was kind of a pain in the butt. I hate Chicago, <laughs> so I'm trying to pain in the butt to go there. But I think yeah, they I have, know. I think they have, uh, hold on, I'm gonna look something up real quick. I think they have like a horror film festival in Madison because I want to say that Dry Blood played there. But nice. uh, I know a couple years ago they had a film fest in Milwaukee. Because I don't know if you're familiar with Joe Bob Briggs. Uh, John oh, yeah. Blue. Uh, he actually went to that uh, film festival. Then he did his uh, Rednecks uh, Save Hollywood bit after the festival. And I didn't know about the festival, so I only made it to the Rednecks thing. And yeah. But, yeah, apparently he was at that film festival. Oh, so, nice. like, yeah, I wish I would have known about the film festival because Milwaukee's yeah. like an hour and a half away. I could have went... I seen that <laughs> i i pulled it up in madison and so we showed dry blood there in 2016 it's called mad town horror film festival okay. so i don't know if it's still going but it was in 2016 <laughs> so they're, they're, nice yeah that, 
that's one thing I, I love the independent um, horror film festival circuit, uh, which I was completely ignorant to until I made dry blood. And then we started submitting to festivals and then I had, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to go out and travel to a lot of these. And it's so cool. Like, first off, if you've never been to a horror film festival, I highly recommend it because most of them are populated with just the filmmakers. So if you go there as a fan, you get like premier access to like all these filmmakers uh, and it's super cool. You get the first look at their films and yeah. you just get to see a lot of stuff before it ever gets released. And in some cases, some of the stuff never gets released. So yeah. sometimes you'll get to see films that just, you can't see. Right. Elsewhere. I remember seeing one that was like, it was like at a regular convention when just film that, but they had a film thing there. And I remember the only one we went and seen had something to do with night of the living dead. I don't remember the exact title, but it was like animation and it had Tony Todd in his voice, but like oh, nice. the animation was a little off. But I never noticed that that got like sent anywhere. But I don't remember the exact title. But I remember going and seeing that. So oh, I wish I could remember the title. But my Jeez, my brain Charles is leaving. He just wanted to say you were a great guest. So sorry uh, about that. Thanks, Charles. Thank thank you so much for watching. All right. Have a good night, Charles. But yeah. But yeah, that's the only one we went to because we was more there for the convention. We didn't know about the film festival. I was like, oh, Night of the Living Dead, you know, thing that they're having. You know, we've got to make sure to go see that. I want to say Daniel Harris was in it too, but don't quote me on that. Oh, I'm quoting you. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long ago, I don't really remember. But I want to say it was Daniel Harris and Tony Todd that was in this uh Night of the Living exactly. Dead, like well, animated thing. Can't go wrong with either of them. Well, I forgot <laughs> about it till now. <laughs> uh, like I said, my brain don't work as well as it used to. I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw um, witching and bitching at a convention before they had released it. That was interesting. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. Worth watching? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just nice. don't bitch about it. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, so this is a this is a film, and unfortunately, I'm going to have to run in, in a little bit. But I did want to just mention this because it occurred to me. Uh, this is a film that, to me, I think it slipped under a lot of people's radar. But I absolutely loved it. it uh, I don't know if you're a fan of the Christmas horror genre at all, but uh, <laughs> I saw I saw a film at uh, uh, it's a film festival in Portland called PD Extreme Film Festival, and it was called Red Christmas. And it was a very unique, uh, I don't want to say too much about it, a very unique take on Christmas horror films. And I absolutely loved it. And to me, that was an example of like a great Yeah, I gem. think that was on Shudder not too long ago. Doesn't it have oh, okay. a D. Wallace in D. Wallace it? Yeah, yeah, D. Wallace, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw that when it was on Shudder. <laughs> that was a gem I wouldn't have discovered if not for the festivals. And it was great. And I, I met the, uh, the director afterward, um, <clears throat> Craig, I'm blanking on his last name. Sorry, Craig. Uh, but really, really great, great dude, Australian director. And, and just, you know, because of the nature of film festivals, yeah, we went and had like breakfast the next morning and stuff. So it was, uh, yeah, super cool experience there. And then this I, is an example of one that I don't think has been released yet, but there is a great making of full length documentary making of Red Christmas that is just as great as the movie itself in in a way that um uh i don't know if you're a fan of films like american movie or yeah movies about making movies i you know <laughs> I, I i love those and, and it was a great one too but uh hopefully that will get released at some point in time but who knows maybe shutter will release it <laughs> yeah because yeah, yeah. they do that into the darkness or whatever documentary so who knows? yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, you never know. How Especially you, I, now they got Joe Bob there. You know, he likes to bring in like you know stuff like that. So, oh yeah, I, I as a as a kid, I would always watch Joe Bob on uh, Joe Bob Briggs Drive-In Theater. Drive -in I think theater, was the, yeah. was that USA or TNT? I can't remember. TNT. Uh, I know TNT had Monster Vision. That's where I tuned TBS, in. So anything I think before that, I don't really remember, but. Yeah. I know in the 90s he was on TNT for the Monster Vision. Oh, okay. And yeah. then, like in 2018, I want to say he came to Shutter. Yeah, it's cool to see him get a get a resurgence. Yeah, 
I love watching like the first time he came with that 13 episode thing. It's like at the end of that, it was like literally I've seen everybody. It's like everybody was in tears. I literally cried. It's like you could tell you kind of missed it. And yeah. then now he's like coming out of a show and like really enjoying it. Yeah. They're having a big jamboree, like New Jersey, I think, right uh, this weekend. The, the, crazy, <laughs> the crazy thing to me is that when I was a kid and watching him, I had one friend that also watched him, and that was it. Out of everyone I knew, it was just me <laughs> and my friend James in, in high school uh, were like the only people that knew he existed. And so I thought it was a very small indie <laughs> thing. And now with come back on Shutter, come to find out, there's people all over the world that that knew who he was, and, yeah. and uh, it was just I was in a small town. Yeah, <laughs> he, he used to like write for a newspaper before he yeah. did stuff and reviews, and then yeah. Yeah, and he had a, he had a book, Iron Joe Bob, which I had yeah. too. And, uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, I I, I do got to get running. I'm actually yep. sadly mid gig as is my life. Uh, <laughs> but, right. well, thank but you it was very much for yeah, on. it was great talking to both of you. Thank you so much for having me on the show, and hopefully we no can problem. do it again sometime. Maybe uh, maybe when the next movie's coming out, we can talk about that. that project you can't talk about now we'll talk about it later so. yeah that would be great that'd be fantastic yeah that's uh, a have turtle jesus watch over you yeah always yeah. <laughs> all right ha have a good night all right yeah, you too bye, bye.